You're listening to the Skylight Books Podcast. We're an independent, general interest bookstore putting great reads in the hands of people in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles. Hosted by resident Skylighters, we're here to bring you new and exciting author conversations, group reads, and bookseller chats. Happy listening. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Skylight Books Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Jeffrey. Skylight Books is an independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. We're open every day from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. and require all customers to wear masks in the store, regardless of their vaccination status. We also offer online shopping and curbside pickup through our website, skylightbooks.com, and you can check out our upcoming events on our Crowdcast page, crowdcast.io slash skylightbooks. It's my pleasure to be joined by Fernanda Melchor and Sophie Hughes today to talk about Fernanda's newly translated novel, Paradise, which is out from New Directions on April 26th. Born in Veracruz, Mexico in 1982, Fernanda Melchor has been hailed by The Guardian as one of Mexico's most exciting new voices. Her novel Hurricane Season was shortlisted for the International Booker Prize, longlisted for the National Book Award, and was a New York Times notable book. Sophie Hughes is a literary translator from Spanish to English. Her translation of Hurricane Season was shortlisted for the International Booker Prize, and Dublin Literary Award and longlisted for the National Book Award in Translation and Andrew Carnegie Medal for Excellence in Fiction. How's it going today? Mm-hmm. Hi, Hi. <laughs> I'm really happy to be here talking to you too. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a pleasure to have you both. Uh, I'm really excited about this book. I really enjoyed it and uh, excited to hear your insights on it. Um, unlike Fernanda, this is the first time I've ever spoken to anyone about this book, I think, like on a it is, it's, it's true. It's, it's the first time I've been doing some uh, uh, promotion, but uh, for the German uh, edition. And normally I will do it in Spanish here. Uh, uh, I live in Berlin right now and I'm, I'm doing the uh, DAD's um, uh, residency in Berlin. And I normally do it in Spanish and they uh, translate everything to, to German and it's uh it's been painfully um, 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 slow because I I used to talk and then get translated and it's been it's been absolutely strange uh, to do that and it's so uh, I'm so happy to be able to just talk more uh, <laughs> fluidly about about this book and and of course to be with Sophie uh, because I don't think we have ever uh, discussed uh, uh, the book publicly at least. No, not publicly. <laughs> Quite a lot of emails. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But oh, yeah, never it's publicly. It's yeah. a real honor then. I, I'm excited for this. And uh, Sophie, you have a little selection to read from your translation? Yes, yes, I do. I, we spoke before, so it, it's an agreed um, excerpt. And Fernando was saying it's not an easy book to, like, to take an excerpt from. So... Hopefully this will do the trick to give people a flavor. It's from the middle of the novel. It's not the start of the novel. So this is um, the beginning of um, the second part of Paradise by uh, Fernanda Melchor. That's how it all began, he'd tell them. A few days later, when they got plastered again with the money fat boy lifted from his grandparents and passed on to Polo so that he could buy booze, cigarettes, and those revolting cheesy snacks covered in orange powder. Franco's delicacy. It quickly became a routine, the impatient wait after lunch, the search for the cash in the flower beds, the local store packed with laborers having a quick cold drink before heading back to Boca or to their own communities. 
the nerve-wracking walk through the abandoned plot and its crumbling mansion, meeting each other at sundown on the dock, the boozing and smoking, Franco and Raja wanging on, Polo snickering to himself, the palliative stupor from the drink, of which there was never as much as Polo would have wanted, scarcely enough to dull the mind, to take the edge off. That's why he drank so fast, almost racing against Franco until the booze had all gone, the cigarettes too, and with them, their only means of keeping the hungry mosquitoes at bay, until the lights in Progresso on the other side of the river would start to go out, at which point Bolo would be sufficiently wasted to head back to the almost pitch darkness of the undergrowth and past the rustling pile, pushing his bike by the handlebars and singing under his breath, Voy a llenarte toda, toda. Any old tune he might have heard on Zenobio's radio, lentamente y poco a poco. No matter how cheesy or dumb, con mis besos, anything to distract him from the bloody countess who built that solitary palace in the estuary's mangrove swamps and whose gruesome silhouette, according to the gossips in Progreso, his mother included, of course, would still frighten the wits out of the reckless fools who dared hang around those parts until finally Polo would emerge on the deserted track, mount his bike and coast down the hill until he reached the highway shoulder, sweating copiously from the stifling heat and the effort to keep the handlebars steady so he didn't go crashing headfirst into one of the few cars still driving around at that time of night. No matter how much or how quickly he drank down on the dock, it was never enough to knock him out, to send the world packing, to switch off completely, be free. And all too quickly, the precious trance he'd worked so hard to achieve would dissolve into a throbbing headache that grew more intense each time Polo remembered that in a matter of hours, He'd be back cycling along the very same road, ready to begin a new day in poxy paradise. Thank you so much. That was translator Sophie Hughes uh, reading from Brennan Meltro's new novel uh, coming out in English on April 26th, Paradise. Uh, Fernanda, that was such a great passage to read. Uh, and my first question for you, Fernanda, was um, about how these books develop this in hurricane season because they both start with the suggestion of some kind of awful violence um, in this uh, between, you know, this fairly repulsive boy in a posh development fat boy who's obsessed with his neighbor. Uh, and then in hurricane season with the, the dead witch in the river. And then the books really kind of journey out. Um, and in the passage Sophie read, you can hear it like these tangents with the, the bloody countess and her mansion. Um, and so, it seemed unlikely to me that you would work from an outline. There, there's like the sense of discovery that's happening as uh, for the reader. Uh, and I wondered for the writer how that process goes. I, uh, uh, I, I really liked the, the passage uh, that, that, that Sophie or, or we, we chose. Um, uh, I never naturally have picked it because it, uh, that the novel is, I mean, it's a very short novel. It's, it's uh, the manuscript in Spanish. It is, I think, 120 pages, something like that. And, and, and Spanish is always like 30% more than it, it will be in English. In English, it's always more compact. compact. It's, it's more um, a shortened version. And um, I, I always have difficulties in that second part because um, I, 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 I built this novel uh, uh, that was going to be very short. 
uh, on the base of two characters, two sceneries, two landscapes. Uh, it's always an interplay of, uh, of opposites. You know, like you have um, Franco Andrade, who's a rich, uh, spoiled brat, and you have uh, Polo, who's a, 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 a working class a boy, a, a brown-skinned, uh, uh, really uh, from, a, from a town that's been invaded by narcos. And um, you have this relationship that's very antagonistic, but at the same time, cooperative uh, or sort of a, a parasitic, uh, you know, like a parasitic uh, relationship. And um, they don't really like each other, but still they attract each other. And, and the town of Progreso and this uh, community, uh, this gated community, luxury gated community of paradise also attract each other in a, in a certain way. And, uh, I, I always planned that this novel had to be very brief, very intense, and uh, very simple in that um, in, in that scheme. You know, like to have two opposite forces always uh, playing and pulling uh, one each other. And um, uh, at, at the middle, I, I had difficulties going from Paradise to Progreso and then back to Paradise. That I, I always imagine uh, the um, I always imagine this sort of landscape like in a map or in a, I don't know how to say maqueta, Sophie. Um, you know, when you buy, um, how do you say um, the architectural, when you go to a, to a, like when you go buy a house, you, you go and see the, uh, yeah. like, a, like a small rep, a scale representation. How, how, oh. Oh, like no, it's architect. like three-dimensional. Like three-dimensional with small uh, like, trees and you know, like at the beginning of a, like Piglia's uh, *Ultimo Lector*, um, where he's like you go to a real estate. Yeah, would you go to a real estate office and there is like a small scale reproduction of the uh, of place you're going to buy and it's all small with little people and and cars and and I always imagine this world like a like a micro machine, you know, like a sort of um, world. And and uh, I think that has to do a lot with the with the sort of narrator that that also uh, tells the story. But anyway, I, I was thinking in relationship to to hurricane season that paradise, uh, all the things that I learned as a writer uh, in matters of uh, character construction, plot construction, and and narrative voice, I wanted to put it in paradise to extreme, like like condensed, like um, uh, even more, you know, faster, uh, uh, louder, like. Mm, uh, uh, more intense and um, in, in hurricane season I was trying to create this sort of extreme empathy towards the characters because horrible things happens but still you uh, you get to see the human side side of uh, all these people who are really struggling and suffering but also committing heinous crimes but in paradise I, I was just not in the mood of, of being extremely empathic to them I, I really want them to show them as very repulsive voice, as, as you said it. And I, I wanted to show how sometimes crime, even though it has uh, ex an explanation and a reason, I always wanted to show that sometimes it doesn't even make sense, that sometimes crime is committed by stupid boys, like babies and butthead-like, and, and, and sometimes uh, how, how masculinity, it, it turns itself into, uh, you know, like a, like a, like a hen with a, with a head cut off just running in circles, you know, and, and 
that's what that 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 is the mood of this of this book i think and that is why it's, it's hard to choose uh uh, excerpts from it because it's filled with rage and 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 impulsivity that that uh, masculine really young masculine impulsivity can you talk a little bit about how like you write that angry masculinity so extremely well and and and, and you did a great job too of describing a friendship that's antagonistic where they don't even seem to really like each other which was an experience i had in my youth that i had sort of forgotten about of just by circumstances hanging out with someone then you don't actually even enjoy their company. Um, but it made me wonder if you grew up with brothers or how you have this insight into what it's <laughs> like to be an angry teenage boy. You, you really put your finger on it. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I always been interested in, in angry young men. Uh, uh, I, um, I mean, I grew up surrounded by, by them. I think I, I, I have a brother, but it's, he's younger than me, Julio. And, um, uh, he's not really like like those kind of guys. Uh, it's it's more like I think um, at home growing up, my father and I always had a distant relationship. So for me, masculinity was sort of a mystery. Like I I, I just will I just I spent lots of years trying to figure out what men wanted. Men always said that that they want to they wonder all the time what does uh, what do women want. But women we also ask ourselves that. And I think as a, as a young girl, I, I grew up uh, longing for um, masculine um, 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 support, you know, like, like masculine admiration or, or um, and, and I just hang up a lot with, with, with guys and with boys and my best friends used to be boys. And I, I also had an awkward relationship with my own community. And, and so I prefer always a masculine company. So I think I grew up with these guys. I mean, they, were, they weren't always like this, but it, it gets to a time in teenager, in adolescence, when you found yourself uh, listening to these sort of discourses. Um, and sometimes uh, as a woman, uh, at, at least for me growing up uh, in Veracruz, uh, in the 90s, um, it was very natural to, to express yourself um, about women like this. Uh, and it was very normal to turn normal to hear men. Uh, um, I don't know, like uh, talking about women, like objects, like like pieces of meat. I, even I think I I sort of um, introject a little bit of that that those discourses. And and for me, it was a long um, act of uh, deconstruction to finally be able to. For me, this is what I do. Like when I wrote Paradise, when I wrote uh, Hurricane Season, it was just. It was a, a way of taking that out of me because I grew up with that, and and at some at some point I even believed some of those things. Uh, I, I identified with that vision of things, and there was a time where I thought that being a woman it wasn't a very um, lucky or charming destiny for me. Now I think uh, very differently, but uh, growing up it was really a struggle. So I think it all. Um, it's 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 shown here. Um, it's it's. Uh, I just wanted to radically uh, um, uh, put that discourse uh, 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 of this of this young angry uh, man. Um, and uh, I know it's risky, but at the same time, is that I needed. I felt like I needed to do that. That's wonderful. And Sophie, I wondered from your end um, the challenges as a translator of trying to 
um, you know, take the profanity and slang from Spanish and bring it into English and, and keep that anger in there in, a, in another language and um, what that was like for you as a translator. I think that because I'm so behind this literary project of Fernanda's, it was love at first read when I ever encountered Fernanda. I've grown to love her as a person and as a friend, as an author to a translator, because that relationship isn't always necessarily easy and, and close and, and it works really well, I think, here. Um, what I love about the project is, is, is described a little bit in what Fernanda's just said. And in a way, I wish that I was just here as another reader rather than the translator to talk to you about the book. Because as I say, it's the first time I'm doing that. Um, but this thing, this, 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 this being really in a way a project about so much about women, but with so many male characters at the heart of the stories and with so many few female sympathetic characters in the wrong mood, in the wrong moment or the wrong reader, perhaps could read the opposite, could find the opposite, could say, well, where are all the women that we're meant to sympathize with? We've got this awful, terrifying, bloody countess. We've got this bag of an old bag of a mother. We've got this horrible, sneaky cousin. Where are the women that, that you're meant to show us that are great and brilliant? But in a way, that is a job that's being done and that is a voice that's being spoken so loudly in society. Not never loudly enough, I want to add. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a drum we want to keep on banging. But um, that's what I'm so interested about in this fiction is that it arrives at some new vision and it's focusing in on the, the male gaze. Um, and for that to, for it to be, have been, for it to be a woman doing that, it's just endlessly interesting, fascinating. And for it to be someone doing it as well as Fernanda is compelling and compulsive. Um, to translate it is a joy. You can imagine the sentences roll. You can hear it. That's actually the first time I've ever read that, that passage out loud. Um, so maybe it won't come across as well, but it's, uh, it really, as a, as a, as a writer in English of this text that exists in Spanish, it's very, um, yeah, it's a really compulsive activity. And I think I used to say things, same thing about hurricane season, but in many ways the prose does um, follow a, a, the, a logic that the prose of hurricane season also seems to follow. There are more full stops in this book, <laughs> which makes it easier but also it creates a different rhythm it creates a different kind of um still hypnotic prose um but one weirdly that i think speeds it speeds things up even more which which was what fernando was saying this is kind of like a bullet and it or like a car going off a cliff i think you've said before in an interview where it's just like you get you jump on in this book and you're in it for the ride and then you jump out and it's a bit like what happened um uh translating swear words has never been a problem <laughs> because i i think swearing is one of the most beautifully expressive um ingenious ways that humans have to communicate um in a relaxed setting in a beautiful like honest relaxed setting in which they're being themselves in which they're using language to express how they feel not constructing it for anyone and that's why i think it always works so well and it's really nice because fernando has always said to me um 
you know, just make it convincing swearing. If it's, it doesn't have to say the same thing in exactly the same way as the Spanish, because it's not really possible. I mean, I'm sure lots of the listeners are like, you know, bilingual or have mm-hmm. like a good knowledge of Spanish or whatever. Um, like it doesn't, nothing like to know two languages, especially when it comes to something emotional, um, they don't, they don't map onto each other neatly. So, so you have to find a way to express it in your own language. And, and that's what Fernanda has always given me the space to do. So it's fun as well, as well as awful, you know, <laughs> um, but, but there's a strength, you know, at least readers in a way get to see what all of that swearing, what all of those, um, sometimes terrible conversations what all of that language what all of the poetry what all of the beauty how it builds and grows and creates a a response in them as a translator you have the same thing going on but Mm -hmm. but but with a sense of responsibility of like and kind of looking at it in a very microscopic way of like what how am I going to construct that same thing in Spanish how am I going to build that same thing yeah oh no go ahead no no Sorry, sorry. Can I ask uh, uh, Sophia a question about uh, uh, translation? I, I always thought that uh, when we talk about how you work, and, and you work very similarly to me, uh, as I remember, you normally go very quickly to a first draft, like very, uh, you know, like I, I also do that, this, do the same. I, I go through a, through a draft and leave all, all that I can. I, I give that like, like, um, take that momentum and, and deliver a first draft and then I work and work and rework. And I, I think you, you do the same as we've uh, talked about it. And I wonder if you have different intentions uh, according to the book, for example, uh, um, I mean, um, uh, is the same intention you had when translating Hurricane Season and translating to Paradise? I, 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 have to, I have to say, I'm sorry if uh, this is not interesting for our, 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 our listeners. I, I hope it is because for me, it's very, very interesting. and I, I, I sometimes wish I had more time to speak uh, uh, to Sophie about her uh, métier, uh, her, her work, and, and that I found fascinating as a translator myself. So I really wanted to ask you: um, Do you do you put uh, do you have intentions, like particular intentions, when you work on a on a book or a, or other book? I don't like have a, a piece of paper where I write the things down, but I definitely always read the book first, just as a reader, and I enjoy it, and then I'll read it usually if well I, with your book with this book i did read it again one because it's short and two um because i did want to precisely pick out where the two books were coming together and where they were moving apart and i wanted to make mm-hmm. sure that i did the same thing and i always write to fernanda saying like look there's a really big shift of register in this phrasing or in this word what's going on here like who's speaking now because it's quite I mean everyone everyone listening has presumably read something of Fernandez or will so you either have encountered or will encounter um yeah the the like um um third person indirect like speech and it does sort of slip between voices um so things like that I always want to double check that it's not just me reading it that it was there, that there was some intent behind it from the author. And then obviously I have to find a way to do it, uh, to replicate that intent. Um, but with this book, I a good example, Fernanda, to answer your question is in the final section. I translated the whole book, I would say, in the same way that I did with Hurricane Season, just like really trying to beat it out. 
And then the final section where it's um, a load of semicolons, so it's a final scene, um, the, the real climax of, of the novel, um, an event that we sort of knew was coming, but when it comes, we can't believe we've got there. And in the beginning of that section is described by the narrator as a series of instants that he sees almost as separate shots. Mm -hmm. And then it, what proceeds is like maybe seven or eight pages of one sentence written in divided by semicolons of snapshots of things. And what I found myself doing when I translated it was erroneously, like as a mistake, was sort of wanting to make a coherent one sentence instead of like keeping them a separate mm -hmm. instance. And later I came and I, and I realized what I'd done. I mean, I think I always would have because of the way I do a third draft, which is always to look back. Oh, sorry, my second draft is always looking back like line by line mm -hmm. with the original. And then I slowly let go of the original mm -hmm. as I do the next drafts. But um, yeah, I, I caught myself doing an in, like an intervention that was, yeah, in this, in this instance, unacceptable and, and would have changed the rhythm and, and what was, what was going on in the book. But um, yeah, <laughs> that is very interesting. Yes. Uh, that was a, a pain to write uh, that, that uh, final scene. Um, uh, the whole book, well, it, it, it is a very crude book. It is a very uh, um, uh, intense book. It is, um, it is, I tried it to be funny sometimes. It can be uh, uh, very hilarious and, and in a sort of grotesque way. And, and you need some humor to, to emanate from the, from the writing sometimes. And, and it, even, even if it was for building then a, 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 more, um, a, a more obscure uh, um, ambience after the, the humor, but uh, still um, that, that particular scene was so difficult to write. I, I think, I spent three years writing this novel and I think in very short but intense uh, uh, periods. And I think uh, I only touched that scene like three times in, mm. in those three years. Like, like I sit and, and I work on that, on, that, on that whole six, seven pages like three times in, in three years. And I always had to have something to drink. I always had to be, you know, a little bit like Polo. I had to... You know, uh, uh, my conscience just wouldn't like accept it, and, and it was very hard in my mind. I always, I always thought about that scene. I, I played it a hundred times in my mind, and I had it all choreographed, choreographed. Like, like I had the choreography of, of it, of the movements of the characters in my mind and the spaces. But still, I just couldn't write it, and I, I needed the, the the reader also to pass through that. With the same intensity that I used to imagine it, I, I think for me it's 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 for me a book. It's something that you build um, uh, in the mind of the reader. It's 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 words and it's sentences, but it's like an enchantment. It's like um it's like magic, you know. It's it's like words of a spell, and the words it it, it just they are more than their meaning. You have to create a rhythm and you have to create a power with them. So uh, for me, it's very important. Uh, uh, um, uh, to choose uh, uh, the strategies uh, which I want to use and, and I really appreciate that Sophie really it's the best gift for a writer to have a translator that really tries to catch us on that and, and try to, to, to reproduce it and, and it's always hard translating it's like pouring uh, um, 
some um, substance into another different glass, you know, we're all trying to spill over too much, but something, always something is a little bit uh, uh, lost, of course, but still uh, the, is the effort and the, um, the preciseness of it. And, and also the, um, uh, the naturality, which in, in which is made, that gives it its strength. And, and I think uh, I'm just so happy to have Sophie as a translator and she's able to do this. Well, if the love fest is going to happen, then I would like to say that <laughs> you say that a book is built that, you know, and I agree with you entirely. It's like the words start to build and the rhythms start to do something. And there is a sort of, yeah, a magic or like something's drawing you in and keeping you in and captivating you. But also for me, the thing that Fernanda does so well is like small observation. Like, and that's what defines her for me as a truly great novelist of our time is like she has a capacity for observation that doesn't seem at all forced that it's like she's become her character because i was just reading back some of it and there's a moment for example where polo is it, like um just before you know a terrible crime that's about to take place and he gets woken up by his accomplice and he's being woken up and shaken um by the other kid and I know that you must have been him in that moment for in that moment us to go to a thought of Polo's that it must have been his mother waking him up, telling him to wake up dickhead or whatever it is. Um, and it, suddenly he hears his mother instead of that. Well, as a writer, you must be in that scene ready to get into the next scene. And yet she, she never forgets the other layers of consciousness that are going on in her character's minds. And I mean, that, that's, that's what builds a great book, <laughs> if you ask me. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I, I, what I love about these books is they're so propulsive. They, they, you just feel like you're born along on, in, like basically in a river. Um, but at the same time, they demand so much attention from you and because they move so well between scenes and between details. So it, it both feels like um, it's very easy to read, but in also challenging in this way that I find is like such a nice balance. It's sort of like what you were talking about in terms of, you know, paradox before and how uh, the opposites of the characters. And, um, yeah, it, it's just such a feat and, and, and it just makes me admire the translator automatically because it's like, I know it's coming from a, another language, but it still maintains that energy. And I know that's not an, an automatic thing that takes a lot of effort. Hey, yay! <laughs> I'm so happy yeah. to hear that. It's such a relief. <laughs> I, I I recently read the translation, not fully. I I just uh, you know I I did the um, the test. That is, I just sit with the book. I just received it. Well, I, I, actually, they they didn't. Well, I mean, I have the English, uh, the, the the British version uh, of it, and. Um, I just, uh, my, my agent just gave me one copy and I just sat in, in the sofa of, of my studio and uh, I just, you know, like, like that, I read like the first part, like that, you know, like, boom. And, and I try to, um, it, it's difficult for me because it's not my language, English, and, and I, I, I have to um, try to savor the words in, 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 in my mouth's mind, in, in the, you know, like, um, mm -hmm. to hear the sound because, um, and, and I just read it from, you know, like, like that, like uh, from start to the end of this first part. And I was like, this is it. I, I mean, it, this is it. Uh, uh, 
there are some, I love it because there are some places where the register is a little bit higher and in English version it's a little bit lower. And sometimes it goes all the way, but it, it sort of compensates and, and it, it balances and I just, I just really liked it. And, and it is true that it is uh, demanding. It seems easy. It seems uh, as, it, as it is written in a, in, a, in a voice that tries to emulate colloquial speech it seems like it's uh, something, uh, of course, it's an illusion that it's natural, that it's uh, a spoken, that it has this spoken quality of it. But at the same time, it is true that I demand a lot of the readers. Um, this is not the kind of book that you can just distract yourself for <laughs> a few lines and just, you know, I I've been there, I've been reading, uh, uh, I, I love Stephen King's book, but there are novels that I just skip sometimes description and I only read the dialogues because there isn't there even they're not necessary but this is not a book that you cannot miss one sentence from the other and and and, and maybe it's too uh, it's, it's asked to ask too much uh, but I, I, I think the contrary I think nowadays we have so much interruptions to, to concentrate on reading uh, and, and as a writer, I have to fight against Netflix and I have to fight against, uh, uh, you know, like um, uh, uh, TikTok and, 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 and all these new media that's, uh, you know, like at the same time, very, uh, they, they don't let you concentrate, but at the same time, they, they uh, absorb your attention completely. So I, I needed to create, I think as, a, as an answer, as a response to this, I needed to create a flux of words that functions like attention grabber like um i i just i think this is for me this is the the only way i can tell these stories without the reader just throwing the book away or uh or or or, or losing interest but for me it, it has to be done like this uh and i don't know I, i've been thinking about other strategies for next books but at least paradise and hurricane season it, it, they 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 were their books that needed this kind of uh, of reading of intensity yeah, it kind of, it kind of relates like um, talking about you know the demands you make on the reader too, but how you know that the pace makes it easy to ask that of them because you're being born along. You know, you're not bored. Like some books, they demand a lot of the reading because they're boring and and the language is so difficult. And this is the opposite. It uh, it it has such pace and energy, but you have to be there for each sentence or you will lose the thread. And it kind of relates to me in the way, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, that um, these books are like sort of unconsoling and they will show you something very ugly, um, but they don't try to make it okay. Like it, you don't try to reveal a silver lining. And I find that very, um, like you have trust in the reader, you know, like you don't lay out what the reader's moral response should be. Um, and I find that just very empowering to the reader's perspective. And also it gives me the impression that the writer does, is not writing from an elevated plane. The writer is actually inhabiting these characters. And, um, and, and to me, that just feels like, I, I just like the real deal is what I want to say, but, uh, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I don't have a question. That's <laughs> I once wrote to a publisher after I read Fernanda for the first time and I wrote precisely those words. I was like, pay attention. This is the real deal. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my, my literary philosophy. Yeah. Uh, basically what you just said, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's very important for me to, to do that, to be, 
to be, you know, on the ropes with the, with, the, with the characters, to be really close to them at the same level. And, and at the same time, I, Paradise, I think it's a little bit different because it, there is a, I wanted to create a distance, but I needed to do that because in order to not show only empathy, I mean, you, you see Polo and you see he's exploited, you know, he has like the most horrible job ever and his mother is really harsh on him. He has not have a, an easy life. Uh, he doesn't have a very a, a masculine figure of authority. Um, he lives in a town that's been taken over by narcos. You cannot have a good job, a good life. It's just it. it he seems like uh, uh, trapped uh, and without a possibility to escape. And and that's what he really wants. And you can empathize about a a, a boy who has to live in these conditions. But at the same time, I, I needed to create this distance because I wanted to show that also he had. Uh, a, a power that it's decision he had a, mm. he has um he makes decisions and 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 mostly i i wanted to show what's the inside of the mind of, of 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 the mind of somebody who's basically a coward you know who's trying to uh um uh, put responsibility away from him to 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 uh, blame somebody else always and and that's how the book starts and being the obsessive person that i am i, I had to create this narrator that it's also obsessively going, 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 going over, over the same things like a dial, you know, like a like an old telephone dial. And um, I, I just um, I, there's there's so much of a uh, there's a there's a story I, I love. Uh, 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 David Foster Wallace. In, it's in Oblivion. It's called um, in English. I don't really know. I think it's the soul is not um, a smithy. It's Smithy. The soul is not a Smithy. It's a boy with uh, ADH. With, uh, um, is it called that in English? Uh, uh, it's in ADHD. Spanish. ADHD. So, and uh, he's trying to retell something traumatic that happens to him, but he had losses in his own fantasies. So uh, that, that whole book is amazing of short stories. And, and we, even if we, we will call it novels in Spanish because uh, uh, we never do short stories so long as in the English um, uh, literal world. But um, I, I just wanted to, to create this sort of um, uh, artificial mind that's constantly going over the same things. So this is a novel that, in fact, it's, it's like a novel that's always been, it's always telling the same things, but it goes uh, uh, closer and closer to other truths while it's telling the same story once and once uh, once over again and um i just i don't know i, I think it, this was the way it was it was supposed to be for me uh, I, I just i was very interested not to not to write from the mind of the uh, boy who's obviously I mean, sick because Franco. I think he will. I mean, there you can catalog him as, as morbidly obsessed, uh, compulsive. Um, I mean, he's bordering the the, the, the uh, terrains of um, uh, mental illness. Uh, you can see him as a junk uh, sexual offender who's beginning his career, and and but I didn't found that interesting. For me, what was interesting was to uh, uh, be in the mind of the of the guy who still can make a choice, mm. who still can make decisions, and and I think that's what's most most most, most tragic about his story, that uh, he's given, um, I mean not not lots of decisions, but he's given up a, a power to act, and he, at every turn, he he chooses, 
he chooses and she he chooses like the, the worst possible things yeah um I had seen, so after a hurricane, I read Hurricane Season when that came out and it was immediately like, okay, what else has this writer written in Spanish and what else can we look forward to in translation? It was one of those. And so I, I saw that you had a story collection and I wondered if that was going to be translated. I don't know if you can say that or reveal or... By the time can this we? podcast goes out, I will have delivered it late. <laughs> <laughs> so hi everyone at new directions um amazing uh yeah i it's it'll be it'll be delivered yeah very very shortly I, it's i don't know why it's it has taken me a little bit longer i think that world events has been the main cause of that um but also because i i got so used to translating like propulsive fernando no that wouldn't let me stop whereas with each of each of these is a self-contained tale story account they're a kind of hybrid genre um each of them brilliant in their own way and what's really lovely as a translator is you start to see the genesis and the seeds of lots of the sort <laughs> yeah. of like literary tricks that you start to that you'll notice from the from the novels but um but yeah so that that that's definitely one to look forward to i think that fans of fernando macho will will love reading them they'll come and out next year in in uh this is not miami there's all the um the, the yeah there's the the, the I, I i learned how to write fiction um uh, writing non-fiction curiously um i i i uh it was a time when i i really wanted to be a fiction writer but i was struggling writing my first novel and i just knew that i still had to write so i i decided that it will be best if I concentrate in real stories and try to figure out how to find a, a, an, an interesting form to tell these stories that weren't particularly mine. I, I had to make them mine to, to tell them, but mostly I just had to do research to investigate and, and it was, um, uh, I learned a lot and I, 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 it was like going to the gym, like, like narrative gym, you know, like I, I build muscle and uh, it really helped me to to figure out what I wanted to do in fiction by by trying to uh, stay close to the to the real facts. And I think the only piece that uh, that's more uh, like that's more alike the style that I have in Hurricane Season and, and Paradise will be La Vida No Vale Nada, because exactly. that was the last piece that I wrote for that book for that particular uh, a, a version of the book because. I, I published uh, the first edition of uh, This Is Not Miami in 2013, and it was a, a shorter uh, version of the um, of the of the book. So I, I wrote uh, La Vida No Vale Nada in after uh, writing Hurricane Season. So I uh, I have already um, um, developed a, a pension it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's for for um, that sort of propulsive of uh, intense uh, storytelling. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Fernanda and Sophie. Today's guests were Fernanda Melchor and Sophie Hughes, and we were discussing Fernanda's uh, newly translated novel, Paradise. You can order any of the books we mentioned on today's podcast at skylightbooks.com or swing by and pick them up at the store. Thanks again, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> thank you, Sophie. 
Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.